team, are they worried about you? No. Right? If you're on the bench, that team, <laughs> they must be the worst player, so we're not really worried about them. They're playing with their water bottle. They're on their phone. They're playing in the dirt. They're drawing in the dirt. The opposition, Satan, is not worried about you when you're on the bench. So you don't get attacked. You don't get made fun of. And Satan does not send his demons after you. They're not even sure. Demons, there's not many that many demons in the world anyway. He's, they just got workers. They, they work through our beliefs. Okay? He's got a lot of uh, 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 garbage being put out on Facebook, a lot of garbage on TV now, a lot of garbage, lies that, that are coming across, and we're not able to identify. He muddies the waters between the lies. Okay? So I think I'm chasing a rabbit there. All right. So pursue God, face opposition. Now notice what happens. Your faith strengthens. Everybody see that? Now, last week, we had word, 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 word. I mean, we had so many proverbs together. So there's a balance in all of it, okay? And we're going to jump into word here in a minute again. Pursue God, face opposition, your faith grows, and guess what happens? You're closer to Christ. You have abundant life. And because you're closer to Christ, you pursue him. And when you pursue him, you face opposition, you're strengthened, you get closer, and it's this continual circle, abundant life circle, I call it. Now, here's the great question. How in the world do I successfully face opposition? So open your Bibles or look at your phones. Let's look at a couple of verses. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Don't be surprised when the fiery trials come your way. The very first thought, how do I face opposition? Don't be surprised. If you lived in another country right now in our generation, and Peter were writing to us, he, he might say something like this. Don't be surprised if you know somebody that was beheaded for the cause of Christ. Or he might say something like this, uh, uh, don't be surprised when your family disowned you for following Christ. Or he might say to us, some of you going to college or something, don't be surprised that you don't get a second call on a date because of your stance on purity. Don't be surprised when you pray outside at a restaurant or even at your family, in your family, Thanksgiving maybe, and your family makes fun of you. Don't be surprised. And then notice what it says, verse 13. Put verse 13 up there. Okay. Instead, okay, how do I face opposition? Don't be surprised. Instead, be very glad. Okay, now this isn't one of the points, but be very glad for these trials, they make you partners with Christ's suffering. In other words, you become closer to Christ because you're, you're suffering together. Everybody see that? You're closer. I mean, you've got something in common with the Lord. And so you feel closer, you are closer because you're striving to follow him, you're facing opposition for him. I mean, there's this closeness. And so you can be very glad that you suffer. Okay, then notice this, it says, that you will 
that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when this all comes to, comes to play, okay? So number one, don't be surprised. Number two, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 19, okay? It says this. So if you, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what's right. Put that other part of the verse up there. So the first thing I want to emphasize, number two, keep doing right. When you face opposition, don't stop. Don't woe is me. Don't throw yourself, what we normally do in America, throw yourself a pity party. And you begin feeling sorry for yourselves that you're going through this trial. Isn't that what we do in America? Seriously. Now, the only one that's going to be honest with you is your, sp your spouse, right? You're upset. You have this attitude that this happened to you, and your spouse will say, hello? You're throwing a pity party like a two-year-old, okay? We're just being honest up here. Can I, can I hear an amen? That's what we do. We get angry. We get upset. We're driving down the road. I could give you story after story after story of yesterday and the day before, the day before. When, when things happen and I get an attitude, that's what happens. So the first thing, when you face opposition, don't be surprised. Keep doing right. And thirdly, leave the results. Let's look at the, the last part of that verse, in verse 19. Your lives to God, okay, Let's go back up, go back to the back, to the back, 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 back. There we go. Your lives to God. In other words, trust your lives to God who created you, for he will, no, what's that word? Never fail you. He's talking about suffering. The whole context is suffering for doing right. Satan attacks us for doing right. So when you go through the, the opposition and the trials, he's going to show up. And when he shows up, don't be surprised. And keep doing right. And this is a Charles Stanley principle. Do right and leave the results to God. Do right. Obey God. Leave the results to God. That's what a faithful follower does. He's not surprised. Okay? He's not surprised. He keeps doing right. He leaves the results to God. And then number four, he stands on or she stands on God's promises. Let's all go to Peter chapter 5. I want to go through this because there's four thoughts here that are just fantastic for you and I as we go through trials standing on his principles. Now, these promises right here, all right, they're not for this. They're not for this, they're for these, okay? They're for the faithful followers who are boldly following Christ, okay? Look with me, if you will, at um, chapter 5 and verse, what is it, 19? Verse 10. Okay, the previous is fantastic, but I'm going to go... Verse 10, it doesn't start out with the promises. It says, in his kindness, God called you, now notice this, to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. 
after you have suffered a little while. So the context of chapter 4, chapter 5 is about suffering. Okay? Grab a hold of that. After you have suffered a little while, notice the promise. There's four promises here. Be good if you write it out. Number one, it says, He will restore you. He will restore you. When you're attacked by Satan, you're going to get a little bit weakened. You're going to get a little bit shaken. But he comes in and he makes you. The word here, the Greek word, is stronger than you were before. He restores you stronger than you were before. That's promise number one. Stand on that. Face the opposition because God is going to make you stronger than you were. All right? The second one. He will support you, strengthen you, and place you on a good foundation. So the second thing is he will support you. In other words, the idea is that he's here with you, walking you through these oppositions. Everybody see that? He, he's going to support you by being with you, walking through the opposition. Guaranteed. It's a promise that you and I can stand on. And then thirdly, he says he will restore, he will support, and he will strengthen you. The power of the Holy Spirit is going, his power is going to flow in you to strengthen you so that his power can flow through you. There's God's strength in your life. Only if you boldly follow him. Okay? Now, if you're on the bench and you're, you're just not really following him, and if you're not alert and you're going through the desert and you're just kind of in a daze, which we Americans do, you're probably sitting there wondering, is he about done? Got your name in? <laughs> because this is just the word of God, and it's placed out there for us. Proverbs says, fool, wise, but then some of us, we backslide and we're on the bench. But if God, if you recognize your, your wilderness, you recognize your trials, you recognize your emptiness, hopefully you're listening. Okay? Because if you pursue God, you face opposition, your faith strengthens, and you have a closeness with God. You have an abundant life. If you do just the opposite, your life is empty. The goal is not to have an empty life. That's just part of the goal. The greatest goal is that God is working through you, touching people's lives. He's using you for his kingdom. That's the greatest of all. Now, look, go back here. I've got one more to hit on. Okay. In verse 10. He will strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation. And I love what verse 11 it says. All power and glory to God. Okay. So the last thing is he's going to put you on this solid foundation that you're going to be stronger and stronger and stronger. So when the winds do come in the desert and the sandstorms do come, you're on this foundation that the wind and the storm cannot knock you off. He sets you on a firm foundation. Isn't that good? That when the trials of life come, and when you're walking with God, man, they're going to come. But instead of knocking you off, you have this closeness. You have this abundant life. You have this spiritual boldness 
that the world's going to say, how are you not shaken by this? How, how are you not falling down in the sand crying and giving up? Because of right here. And it all started here. And then when opposition happens, and it does all the time, See, over here, when opposition comes and you desire the things of this world, Mark chapter 4 says the word of God becomes of none avoid. The Bible says the word of God is choked and becomes unfruitful by the desires of the flesh. So we face opposition and we run. The word of God becomes unaffect and we become unfruitful. And then, of course, this is the end result. But this is where we want to be on that firm foundation, this abundant life. And it doesn't come from the things of this world that anybody can take away. It comes from something inside. It's this intimacy with God that you cannot be shaken from. It can't be taken away. So the question we have to ask ourselves as we look at all the, the truth from Proverbs, I mean, Proverbs constantly... This is about halfway through. Proverbs is constantly telling us, which one are you going to be? Are you going to be the followers? Or are you going to be the wicked? Or are you going to sit on the bench? So the question we have to ask ourselves this morning, in light of what we just heard, where are you? Which circle do you find yourself in? Spiritually benched? Are spiritually bold? Do you find yourself, ah, I'm not going to pray these big miraculous prayers because I don't think God's going to answer me. I'm just not going to share my faith because I'm afraid of the opposition. You know, I, just, I just don't feel close to God. My life is empty. Or are you over here, you're constantly going to God, asking for great big things to manifest himself, to do a miraculous thing in this city, a miraculous thing in my life and in my family. God, would you just show up and do something so that you'll get magnified and you'll get raised up and everybody will look to you. Is that, is that you? Are you using your gifts in the church? you understand what they're for? They're for other Christians in your local assembly. That's what those gifts are for. How about giving? Do you give for his kingdom so people can get saved and they can grow in the Lord? Are you giving so the church can accomplish a lot of stuff? Or are you sitting on the bench? Great, great question for us to literally close our eyes and say, God, help me to be honest with myself. Why? Because we live in America. And everybody looks the same on the outside. And the Bible says our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? What that verse is talking about is we deceive ourselves. So my cry is, where are you? If you're on the bench, my heart's desire is not that you have an empty life. That you have a close life with God. Father, we come to you this morning. Father, on behalf of Real Life Church, on behalf of all of us, again, we all look the same on the outside. We're all, we're all enjoying the things of this world. I mean, 
We're enjoying great jobs, great friends, great marriages, all this kind of stuff, Father. So we don't see on the outside, which is a great, great opportunity to hide all of our idols. So, Father, I pray that you would help us. I pray your Holy Spirit would be alive and quick and powerful in our midst and reveal to us. If we're on the bench. Because we know and we understand that there's times in all of our lives where we find ourselves on the bench. We understand that. But, God, I pray that today would be the day that you'd help us to get off. If anybody here is on. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a moment. I ask the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and our hearts. And I'm gonna, I want to pray specifically for you. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If God spoke to you this morning and you find that you are on the bench, can I pray for you? If you find yourself not being, having this abundant life, can I pray for you? You're shying back. You're not using your gifts. You're not praying with boldness. You're not grabbing a hold of the throne of God and not quitting till he answers. My friend, if this is you and you find yourself on the bench, no one's looking but me, would you lift up your hand and say, preacher, pray for me? I will if you let me. Just lift them up. Lift them up. Keep them up for a moment. Anybody else real quickly? I want to see who you are and I'm going to pray for you. All over the place. Anybody, anybody else? Real quickly. You may put them down. Anybody else? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. you. may put them down. Anybody else? Real quickly. You want to be included in this prayer? Amen. 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 Yes. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's all stand as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I bring these to your throne. Father, they have raised their hand because they feel like they're spiritually benched. So, Father, I pray that you, with your Holy Spirit, would begin to give them that craving desire to pursue you. And I pray that you would, you would bind Satan and the flesh. The flesh is their enemy, Father. Bind their flesh so that the flesh and Satan in this world cannot get the victory. And I pray your Holy Spirit would fill them, anoint them. Where they walk out these doors this morning feeling that they are walking with you. And Father, if there's a sin in their lives that's keeping them from, from giving their all, I pray that right now as they're sitting in that seat, they would confess that sin. Just, just believe that you forgave them. Confession is just agreeing with you, Father. I pray that they would do that. They would say, I've sinned. And then they would believe that you are the forgiver of their sin. And that you are the cleanser of all of their unrighteousness. God, how I pray that you would work in their lives as they walk out this door, that they would hunger and pursue. It would be such an appetite that they cannot feed that appetite. Father, we, we were very honest and open with you this morning. So, Father, I pray that you would move. Give us a victory this week in our pursuit of you. In Jesus' name we pray.